Fantasy Watch. We are about to head into stage two of the Overwatch League. My name is Invictus. I'm here to help you out and go over some fantasy implications of some of the new players. And I got my boy Abnerd, who pre-recorded some information based on some stats he ran on player time and hero usage. And Abner's going to go over those things with you in just a moment. But first, I just want to go over some of the things we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to go over the player implications, not just for the players that have been picked up, but for the rest of their teams and how I think that may impact your fantasy roster as well as maybe what you should do to get some of those players. Um, we don't have anything to go over because there was no Overwatch uh, League last week. Um, and I'll kind of go over some of the big players that I think you should be focusing on uh, heading to week one and then talk a little bit about the trades that I made to actually pick up some of those new players. All right, but Abner, tell me about your week and what's going on with you, my dude. Hey, what's going on, man? I uh, just spent the, the week doing a whole lot of working. Didn't get to uh, catch up on as much Overwatch as I wanted, but we'll go right into our weekly topics. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we did with our free time this week the transactions you'll get to handle that and then our weekly preview as far as for me with my free time i did uh, do a little bit of digging when it came to some stats and of course we always talk about how important playtime is with that uh, you know i just went through looked at uh, you know top 10 when it came to playtime on any specific hero now uh, with that number one was going to be arc he had uh, almost 10 hours on mercy with that, uh, he finished with negative five points on average throughout the uh, first stage. Of course, I want you to keep in mind with all these statistics, uh, the numbers, things like that, it's not going to be taken into consideration. The fact that the points did change about halfway through stage one. So uh, I do think that Arc would have had a lot more points had those changes come through a little bit earlier. Now, whether or not uh, you know Arc is going to be a big pickup come stage two with the Nursey Murphs, I'm uh, excuse me, the Mercy nerfs, um, that I'm not too sure about. Uh, but coming in number two is going to be Jonak. He spent a lot of time on Zen, nine hours and 13 minutes. He had 180 points on average throughout that, and I think that number would have been a whole lot higher had those switches come through a little bit earlier. So um, I still think uh, Jonak's going to be an important person for you to have on your lineup. Next, we have another Mercy main, that's Kellex from Boston. He had eight hours and 46 minutes. He finished with negative 49 points. Another one I think would have been a whole lot higher. Um, from here, we're going to be looking at a lot more players that I think are going to still continue to be solid pickups. Um, that's going to be Coolmat on Diva for eight hours, 43 minutes, 215 points for Coolmat. Um, with that, I think that's going to continue to be, uh, you know, a great pick through Coolmat going into stage two. Um, I think the pickups, uh, or at least I should say the pickup um, that uh, Houston Outlaws had isn't going to adjust Coolmat's playtime all that much. So I think he's still going to be a consistent, uh, you know, flex tank to put on your roster to bring in some points. Um, we do have one last Mercy Man, I apologize. It's going to be Nuss with eight hours, 31 minutes, negative 60 points. Um, you know, same as we said with the other Mercy mains, that number would have been a whole lot higher for points if that switch had come through. Uh, but then we do have another Diva main. It's going to be Mecco, 8 hours, 29 minutes, 292 points through stage 1 on average. Definitely a solid tank. I would hang on to him. I would switch for him. 
The big one for me, as far as people I would pick up through this top 10 of playtime, is going to be Striker. He finished number one as Tracer players for playtime, 8 hours, 21 minutes. He had 371 points on average through stage one. Um, I really think that uh, this team is going to continue to improve. I think Striker is going to continue to have uh, a ton of playtime, specifically on the Tracer, which we'll talk a little bit later about here on the show. But uh, coming in at number eight, it's going to be Gamsu. He played, uh, you know, eight hours, nine minutes on Winston, and that's going to be with uh, 171 points. Then we have Envy. Of course, I spent a lot of time these last couple of weeks talking about how much I do like Fate and Envy, but uh, on the Diva, he spent eight hours, five minutes, with an average of 337 points. Finally, uh, you know, Nevix, another Diva player, seven hours. 50, excuse me, 7 hours, 57 minutes, and 212 points. So I think uh, the big thing that you're going to see through here is Mercies and Divas didn't have to switch a whole lot. I think the Mercy portion of this is going to change. I think Diva's going to stay where it's at. So if you have any good Diva players, hang on to them. They're definitely going to help you out through Stage 2 as well. Then we have our top 10 when it comes to points. I want you to keep in mind, of course, these points are not going to be corrected for the point change. So coming in number 1, we all knew it was going to be the case, but we got Fleta. He played five heroes for more than 30 minutes through stage one. Two hours, 38 minutes on Widowmaker. Uh, you know, almost two hours on Farah. Two and a half, or excuse me, one and a half hours on Genji. And uh, just over 30 minutes on McCree and Junkrat. Uh, he had a total of uh, 591 points with that. So, no, definitely, uh, you know, Fleta, if you have him, keep him. And then we got Carpe. Uh, he played three heroes for more than 30 minutes. Uh, Carpe uh, definitely coming in at number two for you know a lot of the reasons we spoke about last week, just how much time uh, Philadelphia spends playing since they've had so many games go to five. So keep Carpe. Then we got Bird Ring, another person who played three heroes for more than 30 minutes. Tracer, Widowmaker, McCree. One thing that you'll notice through these uh, players through top 10 of the points, most of them are going to be playing a ton of Tracer. Baby Bay, he had five for more than 30 minutes. Widowmaker, Genji, McCree, Farah, Soldier. So, uh, you know, throwing a little mix in there with Soldier. Nevertheless, he had 489 points through stage one. We got Prophet with him, three heroes for more than 30 minutes. Genji was going to be at two hours, 31 minutes. Junkrat, two and a half hours. And Tracer, two hours, 40 minutes. But, uh, you know, if you look here between Prophet and Bird Ring, a lot of, uh, you know, playtime between those two. I think if you have anybody off of uh, the London Spitfire, I'd hang on to them, even though they got the bigger roster. Even when they do play, they put up a lot of points. Linkser is going to be another one. Three heroes for more than 30 minutes. The fact that Linkser finished at six while missing a whole week for being sick um, is pretty astounding. Uh, 462 points, even with them missing all that time. So uh, I would definitely, you know, Keep him in your lineup. Trade a whole lot if you can. Um, same reason that we were talking about Carpe, Shadowburn is going to be a great pickup uh, through Stage 2. He played three heroes for more than 30 minutes. Of course, his Genji, which he played for five and a half hours. No one was going to be uh, surprised about that one. But uh, he definitely put a lot of time in on the Farah and the Junkrat as well. He finished out with 441 points. And then we'll finish this top 10 out with uh, Soon who played uh, three heroes for more than 30 minutes, Jake, who played five heroes for more than 30 minutes, and Dante, who I was surprised 
making it into this top 10. Um, he played three heroes for more than 30 minutes. Um, but uh, what you'd be looking at as soon was at 421 points, Jake at 414, and Dante at 404. So um, going into stage two, I think if you can find anybody who's going to be consistently putting up you know, um, anything more than 400 points, they're going to be an asset to your team. So I keep your eyes peeled for the people who are really putting up those points. Now, uh, looking through that top 10 when it came to playtime, there was four heroes that, uh, you know, really popped up a whole lot. Um, that's going to be Widowmaker, Tracer, Genji, and then one that I threw in here um, that uh, would have been in that, uh, you know, top 10 for playtime had the points changes been corrected for it, and that'd be Zenyatta. So when you're looking at your uh, Widowmakers, I was pretty surprised about this, but the number one, uh, you know, point total uh, when it came, or excuse me, playtime on Widowmaker was going to be Baby Bay followed by Fleta and Bird Ring. And then with the Tracer, you have Striker, Soon, and Carpe. All of them are going to be great pickups. Um, Striker would be the one that I would spend the most time trying to pick up because I really think that his team is going to enable him to, you know, pop into the top five when it comes to points going forward. Um, Genji with Shadowburn, Dreamcasper, and Libero. Um, all of them really solid pickups. And then finally, the uh, Zenyatas. You're looking at Jonak, which we all knew, Bedosin, and Rakus. I think, uh, you know, we all know that Jonak rules. Bedosin's great. But I think we really should be looking out for Rakus going into the new patch. Uh, with him being a flex tank, I think you're going to see him doing a lot more than what he's been doing in the past. And I think his numbers are really going to shoot up. All right. And with that said, uh, Eric, why don't you go ahead and talk about our transactions, the uh, player pickups through the midseason. All right, man. Well, uh, with that, we'll go into our weekly preview. With that uh, first matchup, we're going to be looking at the Dragons. Now, uh, with that, I'd be talking about Undead. He's definitely been their most consistent player throughout their fantasy uh, you know, aspects. Um, but, I mean, if we're going to be honest, these guys haven't been on anyone's shortlist for fantasy. And I'm hoping that with some of the additions, with the new players, we might see some better play. Uh, but communication is definitely going to be rough when it comes to these guys for a while. All right, now we'll go ahead. We'll talk about Houston. Um, I'm going to go with Jake. Despite all the hate he's gotten for being the junk, uh, excuse me, the Jake rat, um, I really think he's going to be able to hang with the rest of the DPS in the league. Uh, he was one of three players with more than five heroes played for 30 minutes or more in the top 10 for points through stage one, and that's going to definitely put him in line with uh, you know, the likes of Fleta and Baby Bay when it comes to points totals. Um, so, I mean, I definitely don't see Jake's performance dropping as much as a lot of other people think going into stage two. Now we'll go ahead, we'll talk about Boston. Um, when it comes to Boston, I already talked a little bit about him, but it's going to be Stryker. Um, this guy's had, uh, you know, the most playtime on Tracer through Stage 1, and with the way the point system works right now, that's a great hero to have time on. Uh, they can gain their alts real quick, they got a ton of cleanup potential on kills, and first kill possibilities are there. So I'm going to look for a striker to be a points leader when it comes to the end of Stage 2. I think he's really going to be like the, uh, the carpe of Stage 2, putting up a lot of points. Next up, we'll talk about Dallas. I'm really hoping that uh, Effect is going to come back from his trip to Korea, rested and really ready to go. Um, he's really going to be the backbone of this fuel team, and I'm hoping that with the addition of some new blood, he'll be able to really shine. 
Now, whether or not that's going to come to fruition, it's going to be hard to judge. But uh, definitely Rascal is one of the best pickups during the midseason signing. So I keep my eye on him. But I want to see how things are going to shape up with, uh, you know, effect playing with Rascal, R-A-K-M, and see if he might be able to increase his points totals. Now we'll go ahead. We'll talk about the Philly Fusion. Um, you know, Carpe, Shadow Barn, and Boombox, they're all going to be great pickups. Last week we discussed how the Fusion had more games that went to five than any other team. And, uh, you know, with that, I would stick with Carpe because he's been able to put up so many points while being on, uh, you know, so many losing games. But, uh, I mean, if he isn't on your bench, I do a whole lot to trade to try to pick up Shadowburn and Boombox. They're going to be really great for you. And I think you might be able to even, uh, you know, get some good trades to pick up Boombox. Finally, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about Valiant. Um, you know, I made a joke about Verbo being a great pickup a couple of weeks back, and uh, I might have put the bad vibes into the universe that made Unko sick because he ended up playing that week. Nevertheless, I'm curious to see where the pros take the meta, and Verbo is going to be, uh, you know, my long shot for the week. Maybe he spent the time off grinding out some Moira, and we'll see if she's in the new meta, or maybe he found some new sick rollouts and he'll be able to get a bunch of boops right off the, uh, you know, the start of maps, um, you know, or maybe he just won't play at all. Nevertheless, we'll uh, just have to check things out at the end of the week. All I know is that I definitely want to see a whole lot more Lucio play, and Verbo is one of the greatest. Sweet, dude. I definitely think that some of those playtime stats can help uh, people out, especially as they're kind to look at the new map specifically, because uh, I do think that the new map pool does lend itself to some other heroes better than, than some, and we might even get to see uh, some more unique hero choices in the second uh, stage that I'm looking forward to. With King's Row, we might see the resurgence of Hanzo. Uh, maybe we'll catch Mindo in and, and some and Siegel probably playing some Hanzo, but we'll take a look at that uh, after the first couple of weeks. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and talk to you guys today about some of the pickups and the transactions that have been made. I think that that's been one of the most fun things to watch unfold between Stage 1 and Stage 2. Uh, the first player, though, that we're going to talk about is coming at you from the Dallas Fuel, Mr. AKM himself. Um, finally getting his shot in the Overwatch League. What does that mean? Well, that's a good question. A lot of people have kind of questioned it, the pickup altogether because they seemingly have enough hit scan players on the roster. And I'm not sure how they're going to use AKM, especially now that they picked up Rascal, who also plays Soldier 76 and Genji. Um, I'm not sure AKM is going to have a starting spot. He's, they've got to compete with Effect and Taimu. Now you can assume that maybe there's going to be a tank meta and Taimu's on the hog. But that means you only have one other DPS spot. Are you going to go with your Star Tracer, Hiscam Player Effect? Are you going to bring in AKM, who maybe doesn't have some of the synergy built in yet? Or are you going to bring your new Genji 76 player that you picked up, Rascal? I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, I'll be honest, just from a, a personal standpoint, I did drop the guy who has good aim to pick up AKM, but that was not just because I think AKM is going to get the play time, but more just because I was willing to take the risk and I didn't need the good aim on my team. I have some better players once they have been a little bit more effective and I think have a better spot uh, of play time on their team. So, you know, their job security is huge here. And I think that some of the Dallas fuel players are definitely missing out in the job security. Um, part of the of, of fantasy uh, specifically 
Like I said, I'm not sure who's going to start, but they have four amazing DPS players. Uh, one who's been a little bit shaky, one who hasn't seen any time in Overwatch League um, in AKM. And then they tr- uh, picked up Rascal, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But, you know, I'm not sure who's going to be who and who's going to be where. So I'm kind of trying to stay away from that situation. Now, I don't need to start either one of them in my team. So I'm willing to take the risk and hold AKM. Um, I also did get uh, Rascal in a couple leagues, so we'll jump right into talking about him. Uh, from the Dallas Fuel perspective, if they end up doing a 2-2-2 comp, I do think that we might end up seeing a lot of um, a lot of Rascal and Effect together. This might make for a good duo, especially if they're playing a dive meta, or if they can finally play dive for the first time for Dallas. I think that that could be a really good combo. Uh, you got two amazing Korean DPS players who are probably going to be able to work together, communicate better. And most importantly, my hope is that having another Korean on the roster um, makes Effect feel more at home and more comfortable, and maybe we can see a little bit better of an effect. You know, Not that he's been bad, but I do know just from his tweets and some of the things that he's said recently and also in the past uh, that things are kind of hard on him, and he takes a mental toll from, from feeling alone and feeling homesick and definitely from losing. And so maybe that can kind of help turn him around and give him you know, another Korean companion to help find some victories. Uh, And that brings us into some more Korean players who I think are going to find themselves in another situation similar to the one that Effect has been struggling in where there's a massive language barrier, and that is the Koreans that are going to the Dragons as well as a Chinese player. Uh, You got Giguri, uh, Edo, Fearless, and Sky. From a pure fantasy perspective, I'm not sure who's going to be worth anything. I'm not willing to drop anything right now for any of these players, primarily not because I don't think they're good, and you know, but mostly because they're not in the United States. And it doesn't look like they're going to be coming at least until halfway through stage two. They're still working on visa paperwork. And I know that some of the other players from you know Fusion and possibly even Boston, I'm not positive on that, but haven't even didn't even make it to the United States until the end of stage one. So visa problems can be real, and I think they're going to continue to be real for the Shanghai Dragons pickups. I would keep an eye on some of them. If you're in a situation where you have a support player that isn't also never going to get player hasn't, maybe you drop them for Sky, keep two on your roster, and hope that he comes in in halfway through stage two and is ready to be effective. Um, Giguri could definitely make a huge impact, especially on D.Va. A lot of people just focus on her Zarya play. But if you actually look at her playtime throughout the last couple of seasons, she does play a ton of uh, D.Va and has done so to climb the Korean ladder to high ranks. I do think her D.Va play is going to be solid, uh, probably better than what we've seen at MG. Although my biggest concern with all of the players on the Dragons now is going to be the language barrier and how they're able to gap that and work together. They've already had communications and alt management issues. Is picking up three players who speak a different language the best choice? I'm not sure, but I'm excited to watch what happens and hopefully they can find some more success. You know, before I jump into the next ones, which is going to be about the mayhem, I do want to note that a lot of these players who have been picked up, uh, we don't know what the what the situation is going to be, when they're going to be in the United States, visa issues, things like that can be very troublesome. And also, 
they haven't scrimmed with the teams yet. So I'm not, I would not be starting any of the players we talk about in this section this week, week one of stage two, because they haven't been scrimming. Maybe Fisher gets in because maybe he's been scrimming with, um, with uh, the Gladiators for a little bit, but I would be very weary of, of playing any one of these players just because the teams aren't going to want to take a loss just because they dropped in a player that has never played and has two days of scrims. Um, that brings us into Mayhem. Mayhem picked up Zappis, who we already talked about. I do think that he's a good addition and might get some playing time as a shot caller as well as an off tank or even maybe as a healer or support player. Um, and he is really talented. We've seen him with a lot of success in, in Overwatch in the past. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the future. Um, the next two that they picked up were Sia Player and Awesome Guy, who I do think are even bigger pickups. Awesome Guy, I think, is going to end up, as soon as he can get to the U.S. if he's not here already, is going to be sliding right into that main tank role. Nothing against Swoosh personally. Um, I think he is a good player, and his Winston has definitely been serviceable. It just isn't on that elite level that some of the other teams have in the tank spot. Uh, Saya player has continued to be one of the best DPS, you know, maybe a top five to top seven DPS throughout Apex. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do with the team. I do think that language barriers might be a little bit of an issue, especially joining the team that has all spoken the exact same language and supposedly during that giant three-team trade form that team specifically so there wouldn't be language barriers um i don't know we'll see how they do i do think that picking up a korean coach to go along with the korean players was a smart move and hopefully it can bring dividends in for him because i do want to see the mayhem be successful i want success for all 12 teams because uh, the better and more competitive the league is uh, the better the league is as a whole um now Sia player is definitely someone that I targeted and did pick up in a couple of leagues. Um, now you might ask, well, what would I give up for him? As of right now, just because, you know, he may not have value until, you know, midway through uh, stage two, I would want to drop maybe one of your top end DPS players, but maybe a DPS three, a DPS four. If you have uh, like a grim reality or something like that on your team, I definitely consider dropping that, uh, dropping him rather. I shouldn't say that for, for one of these players. Um, like I said, I dropped the guy who has good aim. Uh, hydration is another one that I would possibly consider dropping just because of playtime concerns. Um, Surefor and Asher have been decent, but I think that they could definitely be on the chopping blocks as well. Same thing I would say with Silk Thread. Um, if you have Dia or Undead, I would consider dropping them. If you got extra tanks in your lineup, that probably is worth dropping, especially if you have one of the tanks that is maybe not starting a lot, and you think that you can pick up an uh, awesome guy. He definitely will be a good addition to your team. But other than that, I think that I like Mendo is another one. So, uh, Love him as a human, but just not sure about his fantasy value yet. So if you have a chance to drop somebody like that and pick up Saya player, or awesome guy, or even, like I said, if you're willing to take the risk and see if AKM pans out, that might not be a bad choice either. Uh, that leads me into the next team, uh, the Houston Outlaws up the ante, uh, picking up Fact Fiction. Probably a fantasy irrelevant move right now. However, um, he is a really good tank, and he probably will end up playing back to Muma. And 
I think that he might end up, you know, getting some points every now and then. Depending on how the meta pans out, maybe they play a two-shield comp that involves Orisa and Ryan. I'm not really sold on that yet, so I wouldn't necessarily jump out and, and go try to pick up Fact Fiction. But as Stage 2 and Stage 3 unfold, I would definitely keep your eye on them for some possible playtime as well as maybe even some specific comps that they're playing on certain maps that might pan out for you. All right, we, we did talk about Rascal earlier, but we did not talk about the other trade, which is Fisher or Fisher, who is going to be playing Tank now for the Los Angeles Gladiators, lifting up that shield for another team. I think this was a big move, and I actually called this at the beginning of Overwatch League. Uh, you can check back or listen to some of the old podcasts and check my old tweets you know, I heard a lot of people saying that we wouldn't see trades in the first season. They don't want to give up team strats or give up blah, 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 whatever. I didn't necessarily buy into that because I, I saw a situation where a couple of teams had what I think are great trade bait or trade fodder. Um, you know, maybe you need a backup at the beginning to make sure things pan out. But if it does, then you have an opportunity where you can sell high to teams that need them. Uh, the North American tank scene has been struggling and, and has shown some weakness um whereas a lot of people see some of the best tanks are coming out of korea so they had one of the best tanks in the world who's just sitting on the bench on the spitfire lineup uh, and that was a perfect opportunity for them to make a trade the, the most beneficial thing to any team is that that player is able to play right away they don't have to sit there and fight and try to get the visa Fissure is already in the United States and rocking and rolling, ready to go in Los Angeles. So I think that that's a pretty big, important thing to note. Um, and I'm sure that there was a pretty penny exchanged. I wish that that information would be public to us, and maybe in one day it will be. But until then, we just get to, to speculate. Um, but the reason that I think that he could be one of the most impactful players uh, right off the bat here, is going into stage two, is that the tank play on the Gladiators has struggled. Um, I would argue that while fantasy-wise, Remix and Bishu have done okay just because of the sheer amount of time they've played in and how long their games go, and they do have some close games, they've been some of the weaker tanks in the league as far as actual performance um, in-game. So Fissure could definitely come in there and make some changes as well as improve. Um, I have not seen him speaking English, so I can't make any claims or say I have any knowledge on that, but hopefully his communication skills aren't going to hinder him. But even if he didn't speak great English, he's got Bishu there who does speak Korean as well, and I think that they could help get each other into a really good place. Um, I know that iRemix and Bishu have worked together a ton in the past, but I think that this is probably going to end up being the best move for the team as a whole. Uh, that kind of rounds out some of the trades. If you got any questions about those, or if you want to ask me directly, hey, should I drop so-and-so to pick up this? Should I drop blah, blah, blah to, to pick up Saya player? Or should I try to make a trade to the person who has Rascal on their team? Uh, that's another thing. Actually, before we finish, if somebody in your league has Rascal or Fisher on their team, send them a really good offer for you. Try to win that trade. Send them something and they might just be looking at the point values and not paying enough attention to know about the trades yet or just not be that smart. And if they're not that smart and you take advantage of them in fantasy Overwatch League, there's nothing morally wrong with that.
So I would do it. I mean, I've, I've posted trades for both of them. I have one of them in multiple leagues. I'm really excited about the change. Um, but yeah, hit us up. Ask us questions. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at FantasyWatchOW. You can reach me as InvictusOW as well as join our Discord that's pinned at the top of our, our Twitter account there. And uh, we'd be happy to, to give you some advice or give you some answers and maybe talk some things through with you. Um, but before I sign off for the night, I do want to talk about a few other things as promised. I'm going to go over some of the things I did, some of the moves I made uh, this week. So in one of my leagues, I posted a trade for AKM, dropping Roshan. You know, maybe AKM doesn't play, but he's more valuable than Roshan. And in this particular league, I happen to own uh, Gamsu, Poco, and I remix already. So you know, that trade to me was definitely worth it. And, uh, you know, I was hoping it would go through and it did. Uh, next trade I tried to make in this league was also to pick up Sia player. And I was willing to drop MG for him. Unfortunately, that trade was declined. Somebody else had already tried to pick him up and it beat me to the punch on that one, or they just had priority over me. So it is what it is, but it was definitely a good trade I would have made. And I'd try, like I guess if you have Roshan or MG, and you can drop them. I probably would because I got some other tanks coming in um, that I think are going to steal the show. And another league, actually, I also traded Sia player for MG. Luckily, this one was accepted. Win for me. And in that same league, I also traded for AKM, and I dropped Swoosh for that. Um, like I said, I, I don't think Swoosh is bad. I'm just not sure where his place is going to be on the team. I think that within the next couple of weeks, Awesome Guy is going to take his place. And maybe we even see Swoosh go back to DPS, in which case um, you might want to keep an eye on him or maybe even pick him up. I might come to regret that decision if he stays slide as a tank and is sitting there playing Genji, picking up points left and right. So we'll keep an eye on that situation. Also interesting to note is they popped AKM as a flex player, not a DPS up front. It might just be because they want to see what he ends up playing, but you know the only tank he's really played in competitive is D.Va. And if you're not an idiot, you know that nobody on Rogue wanted to play D.Va. So it's not like he was probably volunteering to be the D.Va player. All right. In the Fantasy Experts League, I also tried to make some moves. Um, and I was also able to pick up Sia player in this league, and all I had to do was drop Hureg, who, while he did show some good moves when he was playing, his playtime has been fairly limited. You know, I don't need either one of those players on the roster, so Sia player takes some time to even get to the United States. I'm going to be okay. I'm sitting pretty with Fleta, Jake, Pine. Uh, Fury and Gesture right now, and I've also got Gamsu and Poco on the bench if I need to flex them in. So I'm pretty secure with my team, and I think I still stand a pretty good chance. If I'm lucky, a Sia player ends up being one of the best players in the league, and I got myself a golden gem for somebody who's not getting a ton of play time right now. Um, in that particular league, we didn't see a ton of trades go out, um, but that's not really surprising, uh, considering this was a league that was hand-drafted. So all right, the next league, let's see here. All right, I've got another league with just some randoms I, I met and played with. Um, and in this league, I traded I traded 
Fraggy for a side player. Now, Fraggy's been hit or miss on fantasy points. Um, and while I think that he is going to be a key part and probably has a decently secure job there in Philly, I also think that I'm going to get more points and more value out of Saya player. And specifically on this roster, I think I'll have a pretty good DPS core once they all start kicking into gear because I'll have Birdring, Fleta, Libero, Lynxer, and Saya player uh, with Boombox or Unko on support and Mano Gesture on uh, tank. So it is a really good roster. I think worst case scenario, I use either Saya player to Vic for some trade bait because uh, I got Devick sitting on the bench. So we'll see how Miami ends up doing. But if they end up being successful, I've got two big parts of their puzzle. All right. Next, I have the Outlaw Chord League that I am in, uh, a.k.a. the Outlaws Discord group. Um, in this league, I was able to pick up Sia Player for Kalios. As you can see, Sia Player was one that I definitely targeted. Um Kalios hasn't played much, not in the last couple of weeks, so that was definitely a good play, uh, good option for me. I did offer up AK uh, Sinatra for AKM. However, that did not go through. Somebody else was able to pick up AKM, um, which is fine because, I, like I said multiple times, I was more interested in getting side player than I was AKM in the first place, so I'm happy with that. Finally, we have the actual official Fantasy Watch League in this league. I had put through the trades. Um, like I said, I dropped the guy who has good aim for AKM, and I dropped Mistakes for Sia player. Uh, Mistakes hasn't played much. I don't see him playing much behind Striker, who's been one of the most impressive DPSs of the first stage. Um, and I picked up Sia player for, for somebody who already had zero points, so I think I put myself in a good situation here. And on this team, I'm now sitting with Birdring, Sia Player, Shadowburn. In this league, I'm sitting with AKM, Birdring, Sabiolbi, Shadowburn, and Bunny. Now I, and Sia Player, sorry, as I said earlier. Now, Sia Player, I don't think is in the United States yet. I'll have to check in on that. I don't think I'm going to start him this week. I will probably start Bunny. And I don't know how that's going to pay off for me. But I'm hoping that I'll be successful with Bunny. We'll have to see. Um, but I'll hopefully get to see whether or not they're going to start AKM. And soon enough, I'll have a little bit better picture where my DPS is going to end up. But with Birdring, Sabiolbi, and Shadowburn, who are all DPS 1 to DPS 2, you know, they're going to cover my top 3 DPS and they're going to cover their points and um, match up in the roles every week. So as long as AKM, Bunny, or Saya player can end up being a solid DPS uh, 4, I'll be in great shape. So that kind of rounds out the trades I was willing to make with what I had on my rosters. Uh, like I said earlier, if you guys have any questions about what to do with your rosters or how to set your lineups this week, please hit me up. I'd love to answer some more questions and get some more community interaction on the show. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Like I said, you can also email us at fantasywatchodub at gmail.com. Again, this has been Invictus. Earlier, you got to hear from Abner. Next week, we'll be back and able to record at the same time, hopefully. Um, but real life, man, it's difficult sometimes. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks.